So good evening everyone. Any questions tonight? Yes. Could you say a few words about the relationship between faith and doubt? Like we hear sometimes that faith is defined by the absence of doubt or sometimes they are presented as opposites to each other. So I guess my question is like, uh, can doubt have a positive role in progressive spirituality? Mm-hmm. Thank you for the question. Yes, sometimes I say that we should come and sit before the Guru and doubt, right? That our doubts might have the opportunity to be uh, answered. Doubts that are beyond our pay grade, so to speak, to deal with, that they may be answered and, and retired with... Um, help from beyond our uh, limited capacity uh, and limits of our um, our faith can grow so that's a simple sense in which if doubts are reposed before a person of faith Shadavan Janahe, Bhagavan says. So, faithful men, faithful people, people filled with faith. These, are, of course, are the uh, agents of the world of faith. Pujapachita Marsh once used, well, he used to invoke the poetic term planets of faith. So, he would say, just like, well, I would add to that, I should say that. If there are as a as a plane of doubt, which there no doubt is, then there must be a plane of, of faith where the doubts are cleared, right? But um, from within the plane of doubt, where we we question and doubt is in that sense, as I, I'm saying, as I'm speaking about it, a function of the intellect. There's another expression of doubt, which is not a function of the intellect, which is uh, which is emotional. Hmm? Um, but doubt that is a function of the intellect, then when reposed before uh, our, our teacher, our guide, hmm. he or she should be in the position as a guide to answer and retire the doubt hmm, based on what the revelation says and what its implications are, the the, the, the uh, revelation that he or she, the guide, the guru, is um, tied to, so to speak, hmm? like, a, like, a, like a marriage. So the guru and the shastra are married and there's no, there's no divorce there. Hmm? So they agree. We talk about it differently. Maybe it's a, you know, to use Shudamarsha's term, passive agent, the Shastra, and an active agent, the Guru or the Sadhu. Mm-hmm. So, if we place our doubts before such a qualified Guru, he or she will be able to answer by way of, not just in a rote way through memorization, citing some 
some verse, but by um, the ability to reason about the implications of the scriptural argument, whether it be a particular verse or the overall current uh, of it. After all, you have to understand another thing, and that is that even the philosophy hmm, is in the terms of Bhaktivinoda Arthapada. It's not Paramarthapada, because in the Paramarthic realm, hmm, it's beyond thought, beyond word, hmm, beyond intellect, and so forth. In philosophy, we're using word, thought, intellect to try to represent it hmm, as best we can. Hmm. So what I mean by that is there's a spirit to the sacred texts. There's a spirit to the to the Shastra. Their faith is different in a sense from belief. Belief is an expression of faith. Hmm? And when we misconstrue the two, then it becomes a problem. When we when we mis- misunderstand our belief to be our faith, or when, when or when we conflate the two, and belief is synonymous with faith, when articles of belief change as they do, our our tender Komal Shraddha will uh, will suffer. Hmm? What do I mean by this? Um, religion is man-made, human-made. How can it be otherwise? It's humans talking about God. Even if it's God talking about God by way of scripture, by way of an avatar. Hmm? Still, the medium for expressing and talking about, explaining that which is beyond explanation, beyond the can of the intellect, where mind tries to go but must return, unsuccessful, where words fail to be a sufficient medium to capture that. Hmm? So, in, 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 in any case, in this plane, that's why we could say, go there and find out. You know, it's really the, it, 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 and here's the way. Hmm? So sometimes the, the way is, is, is more important. If you take Buddhism, for example, in one sense, Buddha deferred to the way as the answer to some metaphysical questions of doubt, like, is there God, or is there... Um, 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 why are we here would be one. Why are we here? Why, why are we suffering? He would say, you know, don't waste your time asking why you're suffering. You're suffering. And this is why, this is how the suffering perpetuated. Hmm? Why, how did it start? Hmm? It's not an important question. Deal with it. He would give the example of the man who was shot by the arrow, and then um, before pulling it out, he said, "You know, who shot it? You know, or why was it shot at me? You know, well, he's going to die trying to figure that question out, right? Better to pull it out and 
so on. So there's a um, very, it's a very pragmatic kind of uh, approach. Hmm. Um, so scripture, commentary on scripture, ongoing commentary. Hmm. Uh, obviously, there are core tenets and so forth and so on. But um, I, I've I've said in the past. That the that the that the accusation from the scientific community hmm, it, that religious people are fixed on a doctrine that can't change, no matter what. Whereas we in science are open to new information that comes and we'll we'll, we'll change our view, is a false. It's a straw man argument. It's an argument by someone who has faith in a scientific method. Hmm, that by application brings about certain results, that brings about certain beliefs hmm, that could change when new information comes. So a scientist is, has faith in science, but not in necessarily in the results of science, which are, could change. Do you understand? Hmm? So s- similarly, the, the attack, in this case of the accusation, uh, is, is, is someone from the scientific community attacking a, a religious fundamentalist orientation where belief hmm, is, is misconstrued to be faith. Hmm? Whereas when f- actual faith is not dependent, is, is, we have faith in revelation, the concept of revelation, we have faith that if we have a faith that that I'm that 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 the that I'm small and the world is big, that there is infinite and I'm finite, and that the finite, to use Shudamar's adage, cannot know the infinite unless the infinite decides to make itself known to the finite then something that's beyond the capacity of the finite to do, being finite, can be done by the infinite, whose capacity is, well, infinite in all spheres. Hmm? So this is, this, see, this is like core faith, faith in revelation. Hmm? This gr- gr- grounds one. Hmm? And then, and then there's, and then there's the belief that are ways in which we we talk about it and, and so forth. And there's some some relativity there. It could, uh, uh, it's 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 man-made. It's constructed. Hmm? It could be changed. It could a certain analogy could be used, and then that could be retired to make the point better or different, and so on and so forth. Um, so there's a difference uh, between, in this sense. Faith and belief. Belief is kind of an expression of faith, but sometimes it can be misconstrued to be the faith, or, and then and then you, one is fixed in dogma, hmm? and 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 in such a way, which would makes it, which is what makes it bad or problematic, that it's divorced from the spirit, when the spirit, and then one is not able. Then then one ends up in the name of faith, which is just really some belief is 
it contradicts something right before your eyes and you dismiss it because I have the faith in the scripture. Faith in what the what that, that uh, whatever the, the guru is absolute, whatever he says is absolute, whatever she says is absolute, or any kind of any number of thoughts like that, that that are often voiced and convictions and so forth. This is not real faith in 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 in, the, in revelation and the implications of it and so forth. It's it's not based on a very deep understanding. It's it's komal shraddha, or it's just belief. Hmm? There is almost a real faith. It is contagious. It comes from sadhus. We get it. Then we then we then we pursue sadhu sangha, and in the context of sadhu sangha, we are meant to strengthen our faith through the scriptural implications, argument, um, so on and so forth, and and. And oftentimes it's very uh, disconcerting to see that someone who has been sincere, has sincerely pursued the truth, they're ready to shave their head for the truth or whatever it is, right? You know, move to India. You know, I'm there and there and that's there. They're going to leave everything for the truth, and then they come into a substantial representation of a tradition like ourselves, substantial because they've never been in touch with it, and then they end up in a box, so to speak, that finds them over some time dismissing things right before their face. Like I heard one guy say, one of my godbrothers say, if they took me in a rocket ship to the moon, I would not accept that we went there. Because Prabhupada said we didn't. <laughs> you know, I mean, is this, this, this is what we're supposed to, you know, this is what faith is. Yeah. So you know, you know, we can use different terms. We can say blind faith or, or you know, wise faith, faith with one's, which one's eyes are open, and one, through good association, should be brought into the spirit of revelation. It's a, it's a little bit like, like the argument of details versus principles, and not to conf- conflate um, the two. Um, um, let's say, you know, socially speaking, things are mentioned in, in, in texts of, of hundreds of years, thousands of years ago, in a different planet, on a different planet, so to speak, almost, a different world and culture, and so on and so forth. And they're very pressing and relevant, and they really are uh, exciting at the time and compelling, because and whatever you say, in the time that you say it, if it's worth anything, it's going to be most compelling at that time. Hmm? Your analogies are going to be from that time and from that culture, and where where you seek to to uh, further shed light on on the point you're trying to make, and so on and so forth. Hmm? Um, so we find, you know. The, uh, uh, in a kind of imagined idea of this perfect culture, it's like this, and they piece it together in, in their head as they pick and choose, so to speak. And um, and um, these are all things that are subject to change. It's like this. It's often said. Again, we go back to the atheistic, uh, scientific, materialistic psych community and their their uh, 
um, war against uh, uh, religion, they'll say something like, well, you know, in the Bible it says, you know, this, you know. In the Bhagavad Gita or in the Bhagavatam it says this about something, you know. It's a moral stricture for, for the time or um, um, something of that effect. Like our text, I've, I've often said the spirit is couched, the Bhagavatam is couched in a Puranic setting. So it's going to draw from other Puranas about cosmography and other things and so on and so forth. So they're going to look at it. This is crazy, but they miss they miss the spirit of what's being said there. Those are some details that are subject to change and 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 and, and, and so on. Just like we have moral laws and we have moral principles. Well, the Bhagavatam speaking about among you know beyond, but also about moral principles that determine moral laws in any given circumstance. The Mahabharata Krishna says the morally correct or ethically correct thing to do, some people say it's just with reference to Shastri. He says, I don't necessarily agree with that, but in any given time, we have to use our, our reasoning based on Shastra in relation to the, to the point to come to a conclusion as to what the right course to take. It's not all just spelled out. You know, these are all the rules forever at all, all times. And, So forth. So, so there's there's there there's there's much that's relative, subject to change, and so forth, and um, and um, if one doesn't understand that, one can get in a box and think, you know, I don't care. He said we never went to the moon. I'm on the moon. I'm probably I'm probably in somewhere else, some other desert or something. Of course, then you can look at it carefully. You can see the prophet also said maybe we didn't go to the moon. Yeah. And, you know, it sounds a little odd to say we didn't go to the moon, to me anyway, in 2020, right? Of course, in 1962 or whenever it was, it was a little early, you know? It, it was That was like the most advanced state of technology that you could possibly have come up with. And, um, and, and there was a race between Russia and the United States for... So you know, it's, it's possible that it could have made a political maneuver, fake of some sort to assert we've done it. You know, therefore we're superior, and those kind of things happen and so forth. So probably had some doubts from probably from that point of view and other other angles of vision and so on and so forth. But when another fellow, I think Neil Armstrong, went to the moon and he said, I, I went to the moon and when I landed, it was like a religious experience in purpose to just see. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, you know, you have to look at it carefully, and and and, and there's often times where you, you know even, even the text you may think it says something, but if you look carefully, it says more. But but sometimes it says things that that are that 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 are are not part and parcel of articles of faith, so to speak. Hmm. So now, anyway. Uh, uh, Aside from that, or related to that, um, I mentioned that there's there's different types of doubt. So there's a doubt that comes from intelligence, and there's a doubt that comes from from emotion. Hmm? So let's say you come to me with a doubt, which I invite. 
Okay, sit in doubt. So you voice your doubt in the context of what we're doing here. Hmm? And so I answer the doubt by citing the scripture and giving the logic of what the implications is and so on and so forth. And then you get the point intellectually and you nod your head and you go, and so, and you have nothing to respond. You, you're going, yeah, okay, okay. Then the next morning comes around and the question, and it's the same question, just voiced a little differently, but it's just the same question. The next morning, you answer it. That night, the same, you know. It's an, it's an emotional it's doubt. It's not, we say, let's say, let's take a legal example. We say, in the United States, we say that a per- person should be found, what do we say? Um, innocent. Should be find, found innocent. Um, yeah, but until proven guilty, but the proven is beyond a reasonable doubt. That he's proven not guilty or guilty, in either case, I guess, beyond a reasonable doubt. Hmm? Someone, when we published Oh My Friend the first time, the new printed publication is, and the Kindle version are just about to be um, released, but um, a godbrother of mine read it and he said, well, it doesn't prove anything. It doesn't prove anything. It doesn't prove that Prabhupada was in Sakyarasa. There's no proof. I said, well, what, do you, what will you accept as proof? Hmm? What? You can only prove a thing beyond a reasonable doubt. Hmm? Your doubt's not reasonable. Prabhupada said it. Hmm? It doesn't prove it. He could have <laughs> said it, but meant something else because of who he was talking at the time. Nothing's proven. See, that's just going to go on forever, right? That kind of argument. You can do that with everything. That means your doubts are not reasonable. They're not rational. Hmm? So beyond a reasonable doubt, we, we, if we want to remove doubt, we have, to have reasonable people hmm? who, who are reasonable enough to voice their doubts hmm? before a, a, a person who they have reason to believe could answer them. Hmm? And if he or she does, by way, in our system, of course, citing the sacred texts, which is the standard of knowledge, in a dynamic sense, using uh, scripturally based reasoning, hmm? demonstrating the application, the implication, and so on and so forth. That That's what he or she is supposed to do. Hmm? That's how we then grow. Hmm? And that's why we need an ongoing Guru Parampara. Somebody cited just this, this morning something that I had said written years ago about homosexuality. A different, somebody did it a couple few days back and that was pointed out to me and somebody else did another one. And so I, this one, they do that. It's, it's, and you look at your page, so somebody mentioned your name. And so I went there, look, and there's all these comments and so forth. And because uh, there's reasonable people who 108% agree with what I said and say, couldn't have said better. That's really what, and then there's the other people that say, he's, you know, he has no faith in Prabhupada, you know. 
you know, Prabhupada, he's, he's, he, the Guru is absolute, and all, all these kind of things. But nobody addressing the, the actual point being made, which which is, you know, Prabhupada would have said this, why he said that. Well, it, Prabhupada had said, uh, you know, everything he says is an absolute. He, they, they criticize, they say, you know, Prabhupada said women are less intelligent than men. We should listen to the guru, not just to your mind. You're influenced by the modern society who thinks this egalitarian way. Hmm? Yeah. This is a total deviation. You, you've given up, you know, you're just like, you want to be popular. Just going with the popular, liberal flow. Hmm? And uh, in, in, in the name of a sadhu and a guru. Hmm? And, you, and you really have no, no faith in the actual scripture and the words of your own guru. Hmm? Right? This is how they, how they, how they, look, they, look, they look at it. Hmm? And what's the point I was going to make on that? So, so um, <laughs> but yeah, no one was looking at the the, the, the point I was at that I was actually. Um, making and um, just going off is more of uh, escape me for the moment, but em- emotionally, hmm, faith in Prabhupada, faith in Prabhupada. Hmm, um, and it was just amazing for me to see how they're just so, in the name of. Prabhupada, they're just trapped in this box, and they, they, they don't, they, they, they're, they're just so, what they make Prabhupada out to be, that in the face of new information or something, he wouldn't change his mind. That's not my experience of Prabhupada. I experienced him changing his mind. When he, new information was given to him, here's the point I was going to make. They say women are less intelligent. Women are less, Prabhupada said that. And you listen to the liberal, academic, you know, scientific, that's all Maya. Well, if you want to look back at it, Prabhupada said women's brains are 32 ounces and men's are 30, 64. He learned it in school from a professor, British professor. Who's listening to who? Now. <laughs> you're telling me, Prabhupada said this and I'm telling you who we heard it from. Hmm? Who are the people you're telling me that I shouldn't be listening to? So, academic in this case, right? So. You know, it's it's it's, it's very embarrassing. And ninety percent of religious people, devotees included, this is what they do. This is what they do. Gurus included, sannyas, so-called sannyasis included, and on some level or another. You think I'm like out of the box kind of person? I'm really in the box, actually. This is really what it's about. This is what it. it, it to, 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 like Sridhar said, I'm not a form maker. I'm a form breaker. Hmm? To break the form. That that's what is what is required. Hmm? To to create doubts. How about that? Hmm? In order to make faith, 
create doubts, speak about it in such a way that now you start to the audience starts to doubt because they heard it before, they think they understood it, but you know they only understood it on a surface level. Hmm? And if I now speak about it from another angle, they're going to say that angle, they're going to think that angle's wrong, or they're going to have doubt. So then you challenge their faith by creating a doubt. And then, then in this way, the discussion continues, and the faith grows. So let's say, for example, you I've used this before, you take a piece of steel, and you put it in the fire. Now, if you put steel in the fire it's going to melt. Why do people put steel in the fire? They put steel in the fire to make it stronger. Well, that seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? If you put it in the fire, it's going to melt, and you want to keep it strong. You should keep it away from the fire. But they put it in the fire just just as it's about to melt and pull it out. Then it gets harder. They put it in the fire just before, just about to pull it out. So this is an example to help us understand this 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 idea that by we can use doubt, reasonable doubt, to strengthen to strengthen faith. Reasonable doubt will call for more faith. Reasonable doubt calls for more faith. It is asking, inviting more faith. Because because real divine faith is something that's well-reasoned, it's not blind, hmm? then one who has it can give a kind of answer that really the doubts, the rational doubts, are asking for. Hmm? Do you follow? So, in this way, the, the, the doubt can help to grow to grow our, our faith. Um, and we shouldn't look at it like, doubt's bad. And sometimes we find in some some spiritual circles like don't you ask too many questions, you know. Yeah. So, you know, Prabhupada once said this, and then you know, but I saw this happen, and then Prabhupada said that Do you, don't challenge Prabhupada. Don't you know that he's tricolored? Yeah, he knows the past, present, and the future. Everything he says is absolute. And and the answer is kind of an intimidation, hmm? in the name of instilling faith. But it's just an emotional response on the part of the teacher who doesn't have a rational faith answer or a deep enough faith to give a rational answer that will retire a rational doubt. So you're just stuck in this really realm of material emotions which spiritual life is meant to take us beyond stuck there, you're trapped there, and it's all in within the trappings of following the scripture, faith in the guru. And so it's very insidious, if you will, and, and very difficult then to sort out. I mean, a thief is one thing, a counterfeit is another. Whoa. Difficult to... You can, you can see a thief real easily, but a counterfeiter? He's giving you money. <laughs> Here's a hundred dollar bill. I keep the change. <laughs> wow, what a nice guy. Yeah. So 
it's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 there's a counterfeit kind of uh, spirituality or a sleight of hand, so to speak, where that's how insidious, therefore, is the mind. Insidious are, uh, is the manas, the seat of mind and emotion and desire. It's not something you can just like um, wrap up you know, yourself in a few days or a few lifetimes. You really need help. We really need good guides. We really need sadhusanga really badly hmm? in an ongoing way hmm? to keep us progressing in our understanding, to grow our faith from tender faith to well-reasoned faith. Well-reasoned faith is not dependent on everything makes perfect sense in every way. It's not going to. We give a pretty good logic and logical and rational um, explanation, which is, as I've often said, a translation of love into reason, language of love, which is the language from above, if you will, divine love into 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 reason. Hmm? It's a well. It's an expression of well-reasoned faith from that world, faith coming, and now the language here in humans is supposed to be reason. We're supposed to be ra- rational animals. Okay, We're supposed to be able to, you know, deter- truth determined through. Through, through reason, rather than just, I feel like this, you feel like that. Who's right? Hmm. Let's reason it out here, right? That's where So, from that land to this land, one who has, who speaks the language of love needs to translate it into, into, into reason, hmm? and, and, and with it, grow faith, hmm? grow faith. Reason itself is, 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 is sometimes described as a doubting. Instrument. Hmm? Um, so um, we we need we need such good association. I mean, to, to understand what do we mean when we give that story? It's a cute story. And man sent his son to Benares to get an education. He said, "Did you understand? Did you study Shrimad Bhagavatam? No. Then you don't have an education. Go back and study. Came back and study. Yes. Do you understand? Yes. A great book. Go back and study again." What's the meaning of that? That, that? Don't think that you understand Srimad Bhagavatam. That's then you're in a better position. Hmm? You think you understand it, then you're going to put it. I, I got that. I got that. I, I've already read that. I understood that. It's not that kind of a book. Hmm? No. Hmm. I saw once Bhakti Bhakti Balabhadra's lecture series of his on Prahlad Charit. The character of Prahlad and the Shringalila they had published from their group and and, and and the back it said something like someone who says they've already read this has never read this is the one who needs to read it more than anybody else something like, I already read that you know let's read something more I already read that I know that story tell me about Radha and Krishna's Leela you know first become a Prahlad <laughs> with no material desire then maybe you'll be in a better position to understand something about Radha Krishna Leela. Hmm. It looks like it's full of the worst desire. Hmm. The gate to hell. What does Arjuna say in Bhagavad Gita? Arjuna asks Krishna, what is it that forces people to do things that they know is not even in their own interest, but they just do it anyway? He says, it is lust. Hmm. It's a gateway to hell. 
The whole Rasa Leela is about lust. Yeah. It's called Kamarupa, Kamanuga. Hmm? Ostensibly. Yeah. When Krishna and Gopal Tapani and the Shruti, Gopal Tapani Panishad, when uh, after spending a night with the gopis, they asked, what did they want to do? They wanted to, they wanted to uh, bring pious sweet rice to, to Dubas. They had to cross the Jamuna. Hmm? They asked Krishna, how will we get across the Jamuna? He said, just stand on the shore of the river and say, Krishna's a brahmachari. And then you know, the sea will open and you'll, you'll cross. So they just did it and then they went across. <laughs> then they gave the sweet rice to Durvas, which caused an epiphany in him, as we mentioned the other night, as Mother Mongol was saying at the dinner table. And then, he, then they asked him, after giving him the sweet rice, they asked him, what did Krishna mean when he said he's a brahmachari? And then he said, oh, then, then the Upanishad unfolds. <laughs> hmm? What is this? It doesn't mean what it what it what it what it what it looks like. Hmm? How to how to resolve the problem of death? Pariksit Marsh asks. Oh, just read the Rasalila. That's the solution to death. What are you talking about? It's about attachment between men and women. That hmm? even breaks the social norms of the of the of the time. And so forth, which is a, a, a real recipe for, for recipe for perpetuating birth and death. So I mean, and, but of course we you know the answers to some extent, but mm, that's I mean, intellectually you know something, but mm, get feeling for that and and, and, and to, to live in it, and, and the world starts to speak to you from. It's not just in the the, the, the book is. The world start speaking to you as the uh, what the book's actually saying. So it's deep, mm-hmm. and we need good good association for this. Mm-hmm. And then we can be we can be we can be as free. We should be fr- as free as when I decided I'm going to find the truth, and nobody's going to get in my way. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm going to follow it. Just follow the facts. This courageous, and, and, and this was the courageous journey you set out on, so to speak. Now, now to become timid within that, I can't turn here. I can't turn there. Gurudev said this. Scripture says that. I can't do this. That may may make sense, but I don't care. That may might that might look right, but it's not. Then you start looking like the idiot that you are, <laughs> and give give your religion a bad name. A bad name. Hmm. It's a, it's a, that, 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 that's a, that's a, that that is a result of not understanding deeply hmm. what the what the what the what the what the spirit of the whole text is, what what it's actually the feeling that it's trying to, to convey, the freedom that it's responding with to your approach, hmm. right? So, that help? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big, big topic, hmm. important topic.
faith is, is is very much a misunderstood term, even in, in within our own uh, Gaudiya sect. Mm-hmm. What is faith? Anything else? Yes. I have a doubt. <laughs> okay. Um, about the distinction between matter and spirit, because like like. Uh, like we have to think, like, like Maya Devi is a, a conscious entity, but then matter itself is like lifeless. But um, that we say things like stones are ideas, but stones don't have ideas. But then there is panpsychism, which suggests that stones do have ideas, and and it's like new uh, ideas about matter that we talk about in sacred practice. It seems like it's not so cut clear the difference between. Uh huh. Well, um, first of all, I would say that um, um, we maintain that matter comes out of consciousness. It's consciousness is behind matter, right? So that you can have a a a a, a, a conscious goddess. Presiding over inert matter is not a contradiction, hmm? right? And um, and to say as we do that we we are the original panpsychists. Okay, this is becoming more and more a popular idea because re, 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 reductionism is just it's just just falling, uh, f- f- being exposed for the f- fraud. And the, the shallowness that, that it is. Reduction means the idea that you that 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 something appears complex, but it can be reduced to to a non-complex thing, which it really is at the base. So mind appears as this complex, but it's really just a function of the brain. Hmm? So it, it's reducible to the brain with philosophy and science and so forth. Of course, not something they've been able to reduce, in other words, uh, without an explanatory gap. Wait a minute, you didn't, you didn't, the argument's not, you know, there's missing points here. You haven't, you haven't been able to demonstrate that, right? So, among now new materialistic panpsychists, there's this idea that okay, it, 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 consciousness can't be reduced just to the human brain, and it's a component of, of it's just it's just part of matter. That's what it is. Just it's just there. It's part of matter. Hmm? And you know we'll we'll understand more about it as we go. So what you've you you you've just you know <laughs> expanded matter. Just okay. You just made it bigger than it was for the last you know so many decades, according to everybody. And and then you said consciousness. Is, I'm not saying anything supernatural here, you know. When I say that there's consciousness is is there as a as a feature of the world, feature of the it's a feature of the natural world. It's not supernatural or anything like that. But it's, but I mean, what are you saying? Again, you've just expanded the natural world, hmm? the 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 achit world, the 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 inner world, to include. And the the, in, the non-experiential stuff to include experiential stuff, which is real, 
previously they would say the experiential is is an, is an illusion. It's just an illusion. Hmm. There is no red or blue or happy or sad. This is just an illusion. There's no self. There's no mind. That's just an illusion. Reality is just these bare, naked uh, forces. Hmm? It's just a moonscape, you know, just, as they would picture it. You know, just dead, so to speak, right? That's re that's their idea of reality. So it, 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 you know, popular idea, you know, reducing everything to to the physical, physicalism, naturalism, materialism. Different words, more or less, for the same, more or less the same thing. They nuance it in different ways. And, it's pretty much the same idea. So now panpsychism. Okay, now so so okay that wasn't working. So we just say, oh, okay, there's consciousness. You know, it's just part of the world. It doesn't I'm not saying anything that there's anything supernatural. But now you've just made this experiential reality. You just said red and blue are real. People in reductionists like this materialist, physicalist, they don't believe in God. Right? Okay. They don't believe in, a, in an atma, a soul. Well, they don't believe in red or blue either. How about that? They don't believe in green or pink. They don't believe in happy and sad is a, re, is a real thing. Hmm? Those things are as much of an illusion as God is. Religion is, is, is just another, is a made-up reality. So is that your everyday life is just a made-up Illusory reality that you exist as an individual, as a, as a self, that's just a total illusion. So why get on this big campaign that religion is an illusion when your whole life is an illusion by your own admission of your own philosophy? Hmm? If it is an illusion, well, let me have it. you got yours. I'm not asking you to stop believing in blue and green or that's your favorite color and it means something and, and, and we should do something about it You know, if you don't get it. You know, what? You know, we, we don't try to force that on you. Um, of course, then they're against the conversion, the religious convert, but everybody tries to push their point, right? So, um, but um, now to just expand matter, so to speak, to include real. As a as a ingredient of the natural world, this experiential realm of consciousness. Okay, so whatever, you know. <laughs> um, what we say is, look, people say, look, why should I believe in in in, in that there's a self or that there, you know, that there's a God or I would say, look, I don't have any experience of that. They say, why should I believe in that? You have experience. That's the point. You have experience. That's the point. Think about it. You have experience. Do you believe in experience? You're an experiencing entity. That means you don't want to believe in it unless there's evidence for it, right? Is that what you're saying? Because do you believe that you experience? Isn't it a stupid question? Obviously. So you believe then, because of your experience, that there's something called experience. 
then there was a subjective and an objective component to life. Why should I dismiss the subjective component of life? Why should I just do, just dismiss it? Because I have no experience of it? <laughs> what are you talking about? How can you not have experience? <laughs> How can you dismiss it because you don't have experience of it? It takes experience to dismiss it. It's just like... <laughs> It's a crazy idea. So, so the rational uh, way to look at it was well, there's a there's a subjective and an objective component to reality, to what's what what exists. Both components are there. Why should I reduce one to the other? Well, we've got some facts from our scientific experiment that lead us to believe that it just may not. It may all just be physical. Well, that's okay. That's your your interpretation. It's it's not a very it, it's certainly counterintuitive to say the least, and it's not something that you can demonstrate. And you're having a hard time doing it. So now it's panpsychism. This is the new sexy you know term, which even just a decade ago you would have been thrown out of you know, academia or the scientific community for positing such insanity. Um, so. Okay. Um, from our point of view, if we were to reduce one, the objective or the subjective, we would be more inclined to reduce this objective to the subjective. Hmm? Matter comes out of consciousness rather than consciousness coming out of matter. What was the example you gave? Stones, stones are thoughts, but thoughts stones don't have thoughts. Hmm? Something like that, right? So we kind of look in a, in a, in a, to use a modern term, a quantum, from a quantum perspective, that what's out there, if you will, the objective world, is a sea of potentialities, possibilities, that in conjunction with the, with the will of the jiva, which is not a physical force, therefore don't look to measure it, and it's, when say it's not there because we can't measure it, it's not physical. We said that in, from the start, it's not physical, it's not measurable. But that will then causes those potentialities to to manifest, and it's complicated. As I was saying the other day too, of course, we don't know what matter is with all of our investigation. We know how it works on, on a certain certain times and certain places, and, and therefore we can produce certain things by by causing it to do the things that we see that it does in, in, in nature, and we can harness that with technology and do things, but what it is. And Bhagavatam says, it's Maya. It's not what it looks like. In the case, it's immeasurable. It's, it's, it's illusory. Krishna says, Mama Maya Duratya. not getting out of that. You're not overcoming that without my help. Hmm. So... Um, So, panpsychism. Are we saying then that stones have thoughts, right? Well, what, we, what we're really saying by panpsychism is that consciousness proper touches subtle matter, if you will, which reflects consciousness, like a like a metal sheet will reflect a light or. or or something like that, and, and appear to give light. Hmm. It becomes quasi-conscious, the Mahatattva. Mahatattva is a ma- macrocosmic 
citta, which is the microcosmic awareness, hmm? light, in the antakaran, in the subtle body. Hmm? And this starts then matter moving and gross matter comes out of subtle matter. You can talk about it with the Sankhya philosophy or you can talk about it in modern terms as well. This, this, this kind of idea that there's psychic matter, there's there's physical matter, there's consciousness proper. Um, so con- when we say panpsychism, consciousness underlies the whole material phenomena. But it ex- it's, it's, sh- it's also... Sh- consciousness is not a product of matter, but matter shapes consciousness. What do we mean by that? We mean by that the vehicle in which consciousness is in will shape it and limit or facilitate its ability to express itself. So I can say that water doesn't come out of a glass, but water can shape a glass. I've got a pitcher. I've got a pitcher full of water. Okay. The pitcher didn't produce the water, hmm. but the pitcher can shape the water, hmm. and it could pour into a glass, and it would shape it differently, pour into a cup in, in another way, right? Hmm. So, in human life, then, this is, this is a certain vehicle that facilitates the full consciousness, the opportunity to fully express itself hmm. and know itself. Know itself. It, it it gives us the opportunity to inquire. It gives it the opportunity to inquire about itself, and doing so with a rational with, with one's rational faculty, come to the conclusion that 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 I'm not going to that the natural, if you will, the physical world is not going to tell me hmm, about which is quantitative. Hmm? Physical world is about quantities, space, uh, velocity, depth, height. We're not about qualities, not about redness, blueness, happiness, sadness, right? Qualitative experience is coming from consciousness. Hmm? It's coming from the subjective realm, not the objective realm. Hmm? So, so, what is the point? So, um, so in human life, when we start to ask qualitative questions, and quality becomes really the, the whole meaning is the whole thing. Hmm? It's not just where to eat, you know. Even even with the even the the, the, the sexual act, it's just, you know, it, it has to have some meaning to it, some something, you know. Unless you're just a brute, he's just an animal. You know that kind of a thing, right? So, meaning pervades human life. This is qualitative. So now I've got this question: Why, as I often say, rather than how? It's really pressing. And if I think it out, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get the answer to why, which is a qualitative question, from a quantitative. Phenomenon. So the physical world, the so-called natural world, is not going going to answer hmm, my why question. 
other than push me, as we would say, in the direction of where we might find the answer within. Hmm? Explore within with a, with a different with a different methodology, hmm? and within means from above, right? So you start to now move in an entirely different way where where less becomes more. What? Hmm? This is what human life is about. Hmm? Moving away from things because the best things in life are not things. Hmm? Or just thoughts about things. The thoughts about thoughts. What are thoughts? Hmm? That's the starting point. Hmm? Why are the thoughts? Why am I? Why? This, this, this becomes. This is what really then differentiates the humans from the less complex forms of life. Much of repressed by such questions. Hmm? I sold a book to one guy once, and he said, to me, "I always remember." He said, "You know, I, I was." I, I, he said, "What? What am I supposed to do? What this religion says that this one says that? Am I supposed to spend my whole life trying to, you know, figure out?" Yeah, I said, "Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, whether it's religion or not religion. Yeah, yeah you're supposed to come up with some answers, right? Answers." What? Why? Hmm? So, and you may be satisfied with different answers, but um, this book gives our answers, if you will. They're good. So, uh, so we bought it. But um, why questions will come from consciousness itself, hmm? and in the consciousness that's asking the why question. Well, why is it asking the question? Shouldn't it know the answer? The fact that it doesn't know the answer indicates that it's that we're a unit of consciousness, but we're small. So we're subject to having our self obscured, so to speak. Like if you take a light bulb and put a box over it, no light comes out. The light's still there underneath the box, right? Take a cloud and put it in the front of the sun, and the sun's gone. So it appears. Hmm. So it's always there, but it has the, because it's small. That spark can be obscured by the smoke, hmm, and not understand its connection with the fire, its source, in connection with which it will thrive. Hmm. Right. So in human life. Consciousness is shaped in such a way as, as, to, as to pursue these questions and, and, and understand itself entirely. It's the coming out, consciousness coming out from nature. Mm-hmm. So, whether stones have consciousness or not, I mean, it's it's you could say in a way you can say yes. Um, uh, consciousness is underlying everything in matter, but every every manifestation of matter. It's not giving shape, hmm? a shape that, uh, that facilitates consciousness pursuing itself, knowing itself. Hmm? What's the time? Okay. Thank you for your questions. Shri Shidaji Gopal ki jai. Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi. Jai. 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 Jai